starting a new sermon series um, called Called. <laughs> uh, if it's your first time here, uh, every once in a while, you know, we'll have kind of one-offs, and actually the last few weeks have been some standalone sermons, but we like to jump into a, a sermon series to kind of dive deep into something. Uh, and so one of the things that we've talked about several times here uh, is that we're all called to ministry. Yeah. Like, that's not a unique thing for those of us who are, like, full-time church or part-time church employees or people who have a role of pastor and or teacher and or apostle and or evangelist or any of those. We are all called to ministry. Um, and, that's a, and so some of you would be familiar with this language, the priesthood of all believers, um, which if you're new to the church in general, that may be like, what does that mean, right? If you've been around church for a while, that concept is not unfamiliar to you. Um, and we'll kind of be talking a little bit about that idea today. But it's the idea that the moment that you become a believer, you are a follower of Christ, yes, but also join this priesthood. I love saying it like the moment you give your life to Christ, you have something to offer someone who hasn't, <laughs> right? That's the easiest way to, to, to say that because sometimes we also trick ourselves into believing that I'm called to ministry when I feel mature and fully equipped for ministry. No, fam. <laughs> We're called to ministry the moment we receive salvation in Christ. And that means I have something to offer other people. And it's okay for us also to know that there's an equipping process to mature what you have to offer, right? Sometimes the first thing you have to offer is just hope. But don't get it twisted. There are people out there who need hope, right? If that's all you have to offer, trust me, you are pa passing someone a lifeline just in offering them hope. You don't have to have the Bible memorized to give somebody hope to make it to tomorrow, right? So we all are called to ministry, and that's what this sermon series is really about. It's a four-week sermon series. If you can go to that next slide, and even though they're not all named this, this is basically what we're talking about. I'm giving you the full syllabus, <laughs> right? This week, talking about receive the call of ministry. Next week, cultivating capacity for ministry. We'll actually have that, mid, um, that Memorial Day combined service. We'll skip that week. Then that following week that we come back, embrace the charge. And I want to actually talk a little bit about that because that's going to be an important week. I don't want us to miss that. So if you're not able to be in the building that week, I definitely want you to catch that one either on the video playback or the podcast, because we talk, we've talked about being called to ministry before, and we've talked about this idea of us being um, equipped for and or gifted for, but we don't always talk about the mixed or the balance of we're responsible for ministry too, right? That's 
Not something that we always talk about. Part of it is because we don't want to make each other uncomfortable. Like, no pressure, you know, like, no, no pressure. No, nah, there's a pressure that comes along with this, right? There's a pressure that comes along with this. Uh, when I'm officiating a wedding, most of us are familiar with the vows, and we talk about that part, but there's another part too. It's called the charge, and it's where the officiant starts to talk about what you are actually responsible for to your spouse. This is what you've come to agree to do today. <laughs> and then you make your commitment with the vows. That's the moment where we're talking a little bit about the nitty-gritty of the responsibility after we've spent some time processing the capacity. And then the last one is that we're all called together. Uh, we're called together to be in ministry. Uh, so that's where we're going. Uh, and it's uh, also a part of something that we'll, that'll continue. A few years ago, we started this thing called Mo Labs, and that's short for Ministry Mobilization Lab. Uh, and that's really an opportunity for us as a church family to have some kind of foundational equipping in ministry where we look at different gifts of the Spirit and how is it that they interact with one another? How is it that I am equipped with how the Lord may be using me in this context? And so this will kind of be the, the I don't want to say a prereq, <laughs> but basically it's the precursor to those MOLABs starting in the summer, uh, and you'll get more information about that. So that's where we're going. This week, receive the call. We'll be in 1 Peter chapter 2, verses 4 through 10, uh, and um, as we get into it, we'll, we'll jump in. Peter is talking to um, some Messianic Jews using that word on purpose. These are Jews, so they have all the cultural baggage, <laughs> all of the theological backdrop of, of this relationship to Yahweh, Creator God, before the revelation of Messiah, right? And I'm saying all of these words on purpose. They're like super churchy, but it's important that you know who Peter's talking to because they've got a backdrop and Peter, yes, he encourages that backdrop, but he also starts to shake it up some too. So we have to know these are people who knew they were the chosen people of God from the moment they were born. <laughs> That's what they knew. And even though it has been a little bit rough and it's been a little bit rocky and they're under Roman Empire, they still have this confidence that they are the chosen people of God, and Peter doesn't break that confidence from them. That's not Peter's point. But he does start talking to them about what that actually means and also bringing in the rest of us into that as well. It's not like, yeah, y'all are chosen, but there's more to that too. And that's a part of why we also jump in. So he starts in verse 4, you are coming to Christ, who is the living cornerstone of God's temple. Amen. 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 He was rejected by people, but he, has, he was chosen by God for great honor. I told you he's shaking it up a little bit. When a Jew hears that word temple, they immediately see this beautiful building, right? 
They see all of this gold and this stone and all of these, these jewels. And they see all of the, like they see a veil. They see parts of the temple where people, they even see part where Gentiles can hang out. If they were to be devout Jews, when they hear the word temple, they see a building. And Peter is beginning now to like shake that up a little bit. He is the living cornerstone of God's temple. He continues, and you are living stones that God is building into his spiritual temple. See what he did there? He put them in the mind frame of this ornate building with all of this beautiful tapestry And then he starts to talk about the fact that the Lord is building a spiritual one of those. What's more, you are his holy priests. When he's talking to these people and he uses the word priests, it means something. How many of us come from a Catholic or Lutheran background? Like, like there is talk of priests in that part of our church. And and that's, it's important. It really kind of serves the same function. Priests in the Old Testament or in Jewish culture kind of are these in-between people. They are this bridge between God and humanity. And while as Christians as a whole, we understand that the Holy Spirit has allowed us to be able to have interaction with Father God minus a human bridge. Even in the Catholic and many Lutheran and even also some other Christian traditions, there is still that person that's like, I still have a function and a role that kind of allows people to experience closeness and intimacy with God and understanding of God. And Peter is saying, that's y'all. <laughs> All of y'all got that. All of you. He says, you are the living stones that make up the spiritual temple. And what's more, you're this bridge between creator God and humanity. Through the mediation of Jesus Christ, you offer spiritual sacrifices that please God. As the scriptures say, I am placing a cornerstone in Jerusalem, chosen for great honor, and anyone who trusts in him will never be disgraced. He's talking about Jesus there. Yes, you who trust him recognize the honor God has given him. But for those who reject him, the stone that the builders rejected has now become the cornerstone. He's having a little theological moment here, right? This is not unfamiliar to many of us, but let's just talk real quick. Cornerstone, that's the spot where many of us, we talk about foundations, and it's not to say that they didn't have foundations there as well, but it's to say this carries, not, this is not just the first stone laid in this building. It also carries the weight of the building as well, right? That's what a cornerstone is. It is the first stone laid oftentimes the biggest stone in that building in that time period in terms of architecture, but also carries much of the weight of the building, at least the exterior of the building, right? We, some, of y'all, some of y'all design houses, and so y'all know about load-bearing walls, and I ain't talking about that. 
No. <laughs> Talking about this carrying the weight of the building. And so that's why, Jesus, that's why he had that moment with them. He continues in verse 8, and he is the stone that makes people stumble, <laughs> the rock that makes them fall. They stumble because they do not obey God's word, and so they meet the fate that was planned for them. Some of y'all. It's okay. Aren't you glad that that's not our job, though? Yeah. Like, like, really, let's take a moment and pause. Because some of us have been, like, if we've been in church before. We've had other saints and other people who are older than us try to act like they're a cornerstone. We are not that. People don't stumble because of not obeying word based upon our account. But there is another interesting portion of Scripture. We're not going to get into it, but it talks about us doing that, causing young believers to stumble. That's when we're not in our lane. Okay, all right. We're all on the same page, right? Jesus is the cornerstone. If he won't make somebody trip, that's on him. <laughs> We do not have that space because we are not cornerstones in this spiritual temple. We are, our responsibility in this temple is to actually be a part of building it, not a part of authority, judgment, or condemnation on anybody else's end. Come into the temple where the cornerstone is. If you trip on your way in, it was because of your lack of obedience to the Father, not because of us. <laughs> Let us be a, let us then be a place where you can come in and trip in and get loved. <laughs> right? <laughs> anyway, all right. But you are not like that, for you are a chosen people. You are royal priests, a holy nation, God's very own possession. As a result, you can show others the goodness of God, for he called you out of darkness into his wonderful light. Once you had no identity as a people, now you are God's people. Once you received no mercy, now you have received God's mercy. Amen. I told you he's shaking it up a little bit. I told you before, he's talking to people who would, they know they're chosen. Like, what are you talking about? Wait a minute. What about I ain't have no identity? Well, if I'm reading through all the prophets, I know I have an identity. He's shaking them up and making them vulnerable for a moment. Because there's been a change. There's been a shift. And that shift is no longer are you called by what you were called before. And you are now being called to something different. That's, a, that's all Peter is really doing here. He's not saying that they're no longer valuable. He's just saying that who you are is changing. You were once this chosen people who were really the vessels of representing God in the earth, and everyone had their relationship to God based upon how God was interacting with you, and now that's changing a little bit. Still true, but also more stones are coming into this thing now. And whereas you looked to a building to be the presence of God in the earth, now that's actually us. And why would this have anything to do with being called to ministry? 
Most times when we start, talk about being called to ministry as believers, really we start talking about being assigned to a task. That's the truth, right? See, when you say like someone is called, we even start talking about their spiritual gifts because of the task that's connected to it, right? And we have a lot of work to do as the church when it comes to separating how the Holy Spirit actually calls us in ministry from the assignment and or task. And so this sermon is only about the call, which is identity. Once you had no identity (laughs) as a people, right? He didn't say once you had nothing to do. (laughs) Once you had no identity, when the Holy Spirit calls us into ministry, it's not calling us for a task, calling us into an identity. When the Lord called me pastor, it wasn't a job that I, it wasn't an interview, it was an identity as shepherd, a role, if, if anything. If it's close to anything that has to do with tasks, it's a role, but not a job. Because here's the truth. When you receive what the call is, you're going to do that everywhere you go. It's not going to make a difference whether or not you're at church. You can be a Meyer doing it. Like, trust me. Those, look, those of you who have received that call and you know that you have like shepherding and pastoral gifts and you end up talking to people at Meyer for half an hour about their whole life story and you don't know why, it's because their spirit sees something in your spirit. They see an identity. Right? Some of us are mentors. Right? That's, that's, a, that's an identity. Yeah, that's an identity in the body of Christ. Yes, absolutely. And that's why you can't help but give people advice, sitting at family fair, talking to people about what they should buy. (laughs) You don't want clipping coupons for other people because you want them to be able to save money. (laughs) It's who we are. Some of us walk into a building and we all of a sudden begin to see, well, that system doesn't make sense. That, if they did it this way, it would make a lot more sense. And if they did it that way, and then, and sometimes people start chopping us down at the knees because that seems arrogant, but that's just called administration. It's a who you are. You can't get away from it at that point. You can't get away from it at that point. Some of us wake up in the middle of the night with a crazy urge to pray. And you ain't got, like, and you literally, like, you're sitting there in bed, like, okay, if I just turn on some music, maybe if I, if I just tell Alexa to play, like, storms, rain, some white noise or something, I can go to sleep. And you just there, and all you just get is this list of people and or things to pray about. And you, if you've been walking with the Lord long enough, you know at that point, just get up. <laughs> go find a chair. Get some tea and start talking to Jesus. <laughs> some of us have this discerning of spirits kind of thing, which can be a little bit awkward for us. You walk into a building and nobody's there, but you feel stuff. 
At that point, it's not what you do because nobody's even asked you to do anything at that point. But there is a who you are that's valuable as a part of the spiritual temple that is the church. I intentionally called this address the church building, and it's more words than I need to use, but I need to use it as a teacher. This is not the church. We are. Christ is the cornerstone, and we are little bricks <laughs> in that spiritual temple that welcome in people who are far from God. We become the temple for them, welcome them in, and as their life becomes renewed, they turn into stones as well. That's why I say we're all called to ministry. Yes, we have different roles, and we'll talk about the roles in the last sermon. But as it relates to us actually knowing who we are, our relationship with Christ is not just your ticket out of hell and into heaven. I know that some of us, that's the RSVP that we thought we had, right? It was like, come find your way to heaven. <laughs> I'm not saying that that's not real. That, that is real. It's a thing. But if we're honest with one another about what this is, come be a part of the temple that is the church where the Holy Spirit finds home and moves in us to be his witness and redemption in the earth. That's really, and, and we all have different roles within that. That's really what we're asking people to do. We disciple one another, not into more and more closeness with God. That's a part of it. We disciple one another into the family business of redeeming the earth. That's really what's happening. Sorry if you signed up for Jesus and nobody told you. Yes, you get more hope. Yes, there's more peace. Yes, there's more joy. Yes, there's more love. Yes, there's all these things. But if you thought you were going to be able to do this by yourself and get all the benefits without participating within the, the family business of redeeming the earth, my bad for all the pastors that didn't say that. <laughs> we need to repent of that. That's just the truth. We need to repent of that. That's why some of us have a hard time understanding the charge part that I was talking about before because we haven't been taught that that's actually why we're being discipled. We're being discipled to disciple other people. <laughs> I want to talk just for a moment in Ephesians because Paul and Peter, Paul and Peter have, you know, they, they, were, they had some beef in Scripture. If you've read through Acts at all. Um, and he even, uh, I think Paul mentions it again in one of the letters. Um, they had a little bit of, a little bit of beef. They had, had some, some conflict about how they navigated these Gentiles coming in. But they were not in any disagreement about what this was. They both agreed that all of us are called to this. He said, Ephesians, Paul says this in chapter 4. Now, these are the gifts Christ gave to the church. We're not going to go through the extended list. There's one in uh, Corinthians. But um, right now, 
this is in Ephesians, the apostles, the prophets, the evangelists, and the pastors and the teachers. Some of you grew up in that was called fivefold ministry, <laughs> right? Their responsibility is to equip God's people to do his work and build up the church, the body of Christ. Some of you stopped at the fivefold ministry part and you try to figure out which one am I. They have a responsibility. Those individuals have a responsibility not to do the work of ministry. They have a responsibility to build up, equip God's people to do his work. I know we graze over that part. We glaze over that part. But the whole point of what a pastor and a teacher, apostles, evangelists are, is really to equip the church for ministry. It's not for them to do ministry. That's why I say it's not just pastors that are called to ministry. All of us receive a call at some point because the role of a pastor is to equip the church (laughs) for the work of Christ. They will continue until we all come to such unity in our faith and knowledge of God's Son that we will be mature in the Lord, measuring up to the fullness and complete standard of Christ. I'm going to be honest with you and tell you, I don't know exactly what that means. Because <laughs> does that mean that I'm like serving myself out of a job? Really? Like, just think about it. Because he's talking about apostles, pastors, teachers, evangelists, and, and prophets. They're going to continue their work until the body of Christ is mature. So that means that there's a point in which I get a different job. <laughs> I don't know what that is. Maybe that's when Jesus comes back, whatever. But, and there's always going to be people to help equip and mature. But at some, this interesting thing is, Paul doesn't say that about every single role within the body of Christ. He doesn't. There are some administrators that may be administrating in the new earth when there may not be a reason for apostles. That's why I say it's an identity thing, right? It's, a, it's different. Then we will no longer be immature like children. We won't be tossed and blown about by every wind of new teaching. Some of that's happening now. We will not be influenced when people try to trick us with less, excuse me, with lies so clever they sound like the truth. Instead, we will speak the truth in love, growing in every way more and more like Christ, who is the head of his body, the church. Last verse here. He makes the whole body fit perfectly to, together perfectly as each part does its own special work. It helps the other parts grow so that the whole body is healthy and growing and full of love. I know we like to talk about all the prettiness of that, and we will, but I need us to grasp that identity part. We are all called to be a part of this work. And all of us, yes, we'll talk about the special abilities and all of that. That's great. That's like, I feel like some of us like talking about that because that makes us feel like we have special powers, right? <laughs> right? Like, because listen, I want to be a Marvel character. I do. Side note, if I did, it would be able to control the weather like Storm. But I'm just saying. <laughs> like, I'm just saying. I could be her little brother. Anyway. No. <laughs> 
<laughs> see, some of you already know. Like, see, some of y'all like Marvel buffs, and y'all like, wait, wait, that doesn't track. Like, no. <laughs> I'm just saying what I'd want, okay? We'll talk about that in a later week. But right now, before we start talking about special abilities, before we start talking about gifts, before we start talking about how the Holy Spirit will actually empower us for the work, a part of what we need to know and embrace is that I am called by something that has to do with the stones in this temple. I become, I don't become my work. Okay? Comb through that. I don't become my work. I don't become my job in the kingdom. But who I am in Christ, who he calls me, that work flows out of that. And that's why you can't turn it off. Yeah, you can take a break. And I encourage you to. But even when you take a break, you'll find yourself still living out of it. You're just not active, (laughs) right? So, I want us, before we begin to talk about gifts, I need us to pray. And I want you to pray, like a question like this, who have you called me? Some of us have asked the question, what have you called me to? And I want us to change the prayer. Who have you called me? And that's, it's not, it's, it's the English language that's the problem. It's our culture that's the problem. It's not God's words, right? If you heard, if you know that God's called you leader, for a second, discipline ourselves to not think through the list of the things that a leader does, but to sit for a moment, Holy Spirit, who is a leader? Right? Now, what does a leader do? Who is a leader in the kingdom? Don't give me a list of names of who the leader is, because like I know T.D. Jakes leads people, but that's not what I'm asking. What is the identity of a leader within the kingdom of God? And that for some of us is very challenging and abstract. I know. I know. And I'm not asking for something that simple because we got a lot of years, generations of how we talk about ministry to undo if we're going to really live into this. I'd encourage some of us to journal if that's our thing. That's not your thing. However it is that you begin to kind of comb through and let and wrestle a little bit with stuff, wrestle with this. Who have you called me, God? Who have you called me? Next thing, I'm not sure, ah, I kind of got messed up. That should say, how should I be? who you've called me. How, how should I be who you've called me? Notice none of these questions have anything to do with what we do yet. This is a, when we're called, it's a name. It's an identity. How should I be who you've called me? This is not simple. Who have you called me and how should I be who you've called me, God? I, um, uh, I've shared the story of myself being called into ministry before, um, but I was looking through the calendar and realized that this week 
Um, and I shared it on the Facebook family page. Um, but this week, May 13th, um, I received a message from the Lord that I was going to plant a church. So like I, in my calendar, I have church plant seed day. It's, a, it's like I have my own holidays, right? I think like we need those, right, to celebrate, right? Like, I know there was, a, there was a time in my life where I was struggling with a sin pattern, and there was a day that I was like, okay, Lord, I need this gone. And I put it on the calendar as that was the day, the beginning of deliverance for me. Like in every single year, I thank God on that day, right? And so this, this week, May 13th, is forever seared into my soul the day where the Lord planted the seed for this church. And I am so grateful for that. I'm so grateful. But that was more than a decade and a half after he called me pastor, Right? Those are different things because you can pastor in several different ways. You can lead in several different ways. You can administer. You can have the gift of mercy. You can heal. You can teach. You can evangelize. You can prophesy in many, 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 many different ways. But the first thing is, who am I? And then the Lord will reveal how you do, how you be who you are. And those are two separate questions. And if we only ask, what am I supposed to be doing? Then we make ourselves anxious about trying to prove to the church and to God that we're valuable in the kingdom. That's really what's happening for many of us, for pastors included because we haven't asked who we are and we haven't asked how to be. We're allowing other people to define how I am to be who I am in the kingdom of God and it only serves to make me anxious because the church didn't grow by this certain amount or we have this challenge or when I prayed that person wasn't immediately healed and or dot, 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 or whatever. We are anxious when I firmly believe that the beginning of this calling in ministry and living in peace is first embracing who God's called us. So I want us to actually spend a little bit of time right there. If, like I said, if you journal, this is a good time to like jot a note, jot a note down. If not, it's okay too. If you need to close your eyes, if you need to pace around the room for a second, I know that feels awkward for some of us, but I do mean that sincerely. If you can see Mama Kim here on Tuesday pacing around this room, or even myself pacing around this room on another day, this carpet has some, <laughs> it's been worn. <laughs> it's okay. But for a moment, I just want to go to the Lord with those questions. Holy Spirit, who have you called me?
For some of us, this is going to make us vulnerable, and that's okay. Corporate vulnerability is healthy. It's good. In an environment where we are trusting the Lord together, some of us don't, we, that idea of hearing from the Lord, it's like, uh, I don't know if I'm hearing from God or not. I don't know what that is. It's okay. That's, I'm not asking you to know for sure, but I do want you to do something. I want you to step out for a second before we ask the next question. And someone either next to you or behind you, whether you came with that person or not, I actually want you to say it out loud. And I know that's a vulnerable thing. I know it's a vulnerable thing. But a part of also how we affirm who the Lord has called us is when we're in fellowship, the other stones say, yeah, that's what we need. <laughs> right? Like, oh, I see that too. And so if you, if you, and here's another thing. If you're like, I have no idea. He told us to close our eyes, and I started thinking about sushi. I literally, and I know the Lord isn't calling me to make sushi. Like, I, <laughs> like <laughs> it's okay to say I don't know. And say, will you pray with me over the next few days? Right? That's okay, too. This is not an assignment to affirm our, like, maturity in Christ. This is a seeking of the Holy Spirit to help us understand who we are. And God, yes, does that in mysterious ways and sometimes just uses a sister and or brother to say, oh, yeah, that's you. <laughs> I see you. That's you. So just for a second, with the person that's near you, either share what you know of who you are or share you don't know who you are in the kingdom. And then we'll come back to praying about asking how we should be who we are. So I'll let you share that now. <clears throat> may be a moment where like teenagers and young people feel like I'm not talking to you I'm talking to you too <laughs> yep now yes it is called for the whole the whole sermon is called called I don't, it is, our God 
certainly convicts us and shakes us up sometimes. But if our God is a God of love, perfect love casts out all fear, this is not something for us to be anxious about. It is really the, the way of our enemy to make us anxious about who we are in Christ. It really is the patterns of this world to be anxious about what we do to show God that I'm valuable here. If we're feeling anxiousness about saying it out loud, it's okay. But know that that's not coming from the Holy Spirit. So we can also point that out, say, that's not you, Holy Spirit. You don't make me anxious about who you've called me. And, and we can begin to also seek his peace about it too. Last thing, and then we'll actually pray. How should I be who you've called me? Um, I'll tell you one last thing, and then I'll let you kind of spend some time with God. Um, on May 13th, because I knew I was a few years ago in that a season of vulnerability and like really, really seeking the Lord. And then he does this, like, hey, you're going to plant a church. Oh, whew, good. And there was some peace that fell in that. I'm in a moment, I'm in a season of vulnerability now. And on May 13th, asking, okay, Lord, what do you, what do you want? Like, do you want me to do anything? Or do you want me to, like, take some new ground? And he's already given me another assignment um, that isn't me leaving. So, <laughs> right, because some of y'all are like, wait, what? I'm not going anywhere. It's another assignment and what? And that's okay. Right? Like that, that's, and so now beginning to seek the Lord about how to be in that as well. Um, it's okay to be in that space of, Lord, how should I be who you've called me? So spend a little bit of time there, then I'll pray for us all. First and foremost, God, we are your daughters and your sons. <clears throat> Adopted into your family through our relationship with you through Christ. We are your <clears throat> ambassadors and your witnesses in the earth, Jesus. <clears throat> before we have any particular task and or goal and or assignment, we have an identity in you. And you will assign us to things per that identity <laughs> and per your goal, your work, your ministry in the earth. We receive who you call us your daughters, your sons, your ambassadors, 
And we also receive who you call us within the work of the church. Whether administrator or healer or intercessor or leader or teacher or preacher or evangelist or miracle worker or sign doer. <laughs> Whatever it is, God, you get to be the one to decide what that is. And we surrender to it but also look forward to with great anticipation how all of us living in what you've called us fits together as, he, as Paul writes about in Ephesians. It fits together all of us working for your glory, but also as priests bridging people far from you close to you. All of us have a work in that, God. Teach us. Guide us, Holy Spirit. How should we be who you've called us, Lord? God, we surrender to that as well. And may we live as you've called us, not so that people see our value. You've called us your daughter or son first. That's who we are. But so that, Lord, you are glorified as we participate in your family business, God. Lord, where some of us are confused and or anxious, we pray your peace and your understanding. We trust you with all of this as well as all our lives, God. It's in Jesus' name we pray. Amen.